You are listening to the Mental Roads Podcast with host Jessica Herbert. This is episode 11, Electric Perception. Hello, I am Jessica Herbert, and you are listening to the Mental Roads Podcast, a podcast about learning from and getting through life's challenges. Hello, humans. I hope you've been having a wonderful week. I know that I'm recording this a little sooner than Saturday when I usually put them out, but I just felt like what I was speaking on was something that I wanted to get out a little bit sooner. I know that for a lot of us, we aren't quite sure what our weeks will hold in the near future. We have a lot of uncertainty and stress right now. I know our house is full of five people attempting to use two computers to do work or school, which is hectic. And I'm usually helping a child or two with something. So most of my schoolwork is done at night, which is hard for me, mostly because I love my schoolwork and I don't always do my best work at night which is when I did a lot of the research for this episode, so hopefully it makes sense. Most of us are glued to our electronics right now, aren't we? If it's for school or work or entertainment, Netflix, for a lot of us, technology is our main source of how we're communicating and reaching out to the world around us. So to start today, I wanted to share a silly story with you. My 13-year-old and 10-year-old share room I'm not sure if they are genuinely scared of the dark or if my older son is afraid of tripping on his younger brother's mess on the way to the bathroom at night. I I know I would be, (laughs) but they have a nightlight. For a long time, it was this ultra hip and totally groovy lava lamp. It provided many hours of calming blob watching, (laughs) but like many things in life, it eventually stopped working. The next nightlight requested by my sweet 13-year-old was for me to find something awesome. Now, I took this as a challenge and wanted to do something pretty amazing. And I researched a lot of things. A lot of them were going to cost a lot of money. And in the end, I settled on a plasma ball. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the glass balls that are filled with a mixture of gases and they have this high voltage electrode in the center. So when you turn on the electricity, it looks like it's shooting out lightning bulbs from around the middle. And since your body conducts electricity, if you touch the glass, those beams of electric light are attracted to you and the lines of light follow your fingers around. He thought this was pretty stinking cool. I earned some pretty big mom points with both of my sons. Thank you very much. Anyway, so they set up this plasma ball in their room, and they bring in their older sister, who is super jealous, and then they call in dad, who also thought it was pretty cool, and then our sweet little four-year-old Raya came in, and she is the queen of the house, and they were so excited to show her. Well, when they showed her and then they went to touch it she jumped she says no it's scary they're like no it's it's not scary it's not going to hurt you it's fun and she was not sure the slight buzzing noise maybe threw her off and it 
took a lot of coaxing for her to finally touch the plasma ball. And then, of course, it was hard to get her hands off of it because, you know, it's an awesome toy. Now, why would I tell you this story? Well, number one, to brag that my sons think I'm awesome. So there's a cool parenting tip for you. But really, I want you to take notice of how excited everyone was for this new thing except for one person in my family. She wasn't just not excited, but she was afraid of it. She said it was scary. Our perception depends upon our past experiences and our own feelings about those experiences. To her, it looked scary. Raya has simply not had the same experiences with a plasma ball as the rest of us. Today, I want to talk to you specifically about our perception while using electronics, especially since this is a huge way of how we're engaging with the world around us right now. I feel it really important to highlight a few things and maybe share some ideas with you to help make it a healthier and more joyful place to exist. Because let's face it, there's a lot of scary things out there right now on the internet. There's a lot of miscommunication and... So I just wanted to give you a few ideas to make this a more peaceful place for you. The first thing I want to mention is that electronic communication is actually considered interpersonal communication, meaning communication with another human being. If you are directly talking to a person, maybe a text or a Facebook post or an Instagram, they're considered this because of the relationships they create, whether they're good or bad. When you post on the internet, you are communicating with people, even though you can't see them. You have an intent to create a relationship. I truly feel that this can be a vast and wonderful place when used in the right settings. And I will admit, I have not always used these communication platforms in the correct way. There are so many different ways of communicating on the internet and you can really reach way more people than if you simply called or texted or even if you were physically to visit all of the people that you would know how long would that take to really talk to all those people or just to comment hey I really like your family picture on the wall that would take forever the internet or social media they are simply a hyperspeed way of communicating There are some fabulous things about online communication. You can meet new people through dating sites or, for instance, our military base has a spouse page. So before even moving here, I was able to connect with people or even meet our new neighbors and ask what the neighborhood was like. I was able to ask what school choices we had without Googling. And I was able to get a pretty wide variety of options and choices about where we should live. You can work online. A lot of people are learning how to do that right now. You can maintain contact with family more closely by sharing pictures or links. My brother got married and they FaceTimed me. My mom has turned into the queen of sharing fabulous links for educating or entertaining kids during quarantine. It is the coolest thing ever. Most kids in the U.S. have switched to remote learning and they talk to friends or teachers through Zoom meetings. There's a vast amount of flexibility with online communication. You can shape your public image. You can conduct research if you know the right sources. (laughs) You can have a cheaper form of communicating. I know people who don't even have a texting plan. They just communicate through Facebook Messenger. 
as long as they're on Wi-Fi. <laughs> and if you remember in the previous episode right before this, I talked a little bit about communication anxiety. If it's hard for you to say what's on your mind and you get a little bit nervous talking in front of other people, online communication makes it possible to type out and even edit what you want to say. Now, we all know a huge majority of the bad things that go on in the internet, but I'm going to sweep over a few of them in regards to communication at least. It can more easily feel like there are not consequences for inappropriate actions on the internet. People usually get more brave and say things they would definitely not say to people's faces. Another thing is getting overwhelmed by your emails. How many spam emails do you get? I know that my husband gets really overwhelmed by his emails from work. He gets like 200 to 300 a day. It's crazy. You can also become socially isolated when you rely too much on your electronic communication itself. Then we have addiction from pornography to simply being too attached to your device, which can lead to a whole host of other not fun issues. Now, in regards to online relationships, people seem to interpret them in two different ways. One, people either feel like they are shallow and impersonal. Online communications and texting don't offer facial cues or voice inflection. And in turn, this often doesn't provide the same sort of understanding or emotional security and the happiness that a face-to-face communication can give you. Number two, people feel like this way of communication is more liberating. They are confined by distances and they feel like this is the perfect way of getting to know others at their own pace. What I offer to you today is that you try to employ both types of perception with your online relationships. People simply see things differently than you. David O. McKay once said, words do not convey meaning. They call them forth. I speak out of context of my experience and you listen out of the context of yours. That is why communication is difficult. So let's try to remember and have a mix of both of those feelings that we can't see the same inflection or cue with typed communication And that also it is a great way of communicating because you aren't confined by distance. But remember, it is so easy to misunderstand people, even when you're living in the same house and talking face to face all the freaking time. (laughs) The truth is that online communication makes it easier to see people as less than what they are. Kenneth L. Southwick gave a really wonderful lecture on this. He gave our perceptions of people some pretty good categories. And as I read them, I want you to take a look at yourself and see if you are making any of these mistakes, not just with your online relationships, but in perhaps your pre-virus life as well. (laughs) All right. The first thing he says we sometimes see people as is a checklist. We see them as a task to be accomplished instead of as another person to be served. The next thing he says we view people as is a bunch of grapes. We see them as a member of a group instead of as an individual. Another way we see people is as bugs that need bug spray. 
We see them as pests or a nuisance, an annoyance to be dealt with, postponed or endured or avoided altogether. The next thing, he calls us thinking of them as a TV remote, but I would like to say perhaps a commercial We see people as interruptions, something to hit pause on for a while. Another way we see them is as a mirror. We're more interested in what is reflected back at us. We're more interested in their opinion of us than how or why we are treating them a certain way. And when we do these things, our actions feel very hollow The amazing thing about humans is that we are all uniquely created and have developed with different perceptions. As much as we spend time trying to act or look like or have what someone else has, we are all divine individual creatures with a potential that rarely any of us employ. Now, how do we combat these views of other people? What are some ways we can make our electronic communications more genuine and healthy? These are a few of the ideas I want to give to you. Okay, number one, let's be aware that people may or may not answer or hit like or love your idea, your picture, your link, or the comment that you posted. You have to be truly okay with posting and not expecting something back. Number two, remember that there is no such thing as privacy on the internet. You can't take back a text or an email. Actually, I can take back an email, but even then, your computer uses cookies. They leave a little cookie crumb trail all the way back to you. So if you do anything illegal, they can track you. And even then, if you say something stupid, you know you said it. Okay? Number three, don't gossip. (laughs) Research your facts and seek to understand something before you post it. It is so easy to hit share or to hit repost. It is easy to assume that something is true. Pay attention to where your information is coming from. Number four, and I really hope I'm not the first person telling you this, you can lie on the internet. It's easy. I'm not just talking about those who steal your profile or are a dude acting like a girl. I used to run a decently successful blog and I can tell you how many times my mess was pushed out of the way so that it wasn't in the photo. Have you seen the fitness blogs where they show you a before and after photo that's taken 10 minutes apart? Yeah, it's not just Photoshop that lies. (laughs) And besides big lies with this one, I want you to think about how your friends see you on the internet. How do you see your friends on the internet? How happy and perfect do their lives seem? I know everyone has a friend who complains on the internet and uses it as their vent space. These people aren't really seeking to outright lie. I don't think we ever really mean to do that, but we have to remember that online relationships do not show the whole of what's going on in a person's life. Number five. It's my favorite one. Number five is to love one another and don't judge. Seek to understand each other and have compassion. Even when you think you're right, just try to see the other side. 
know that you don't have the same experiences as another person. How many times have I said that in this episode? Be considerate and learn to love, especially those who are hard to love. Maybe they're in our life for a reason. The vast world of online communication is an amazing and powerful thing. And as Spider-Man's uncle said, (laughs) with great power comes great responsibility. If not for others, then we have a responsibility to treat it well for ourselves. Now, if all of this is too complicated, which I don't think it is, but I want to simplify this process even more for you, David A. Bednar gave a stunning address called Things As They Really Are. And in it, he asks two questions that I'm going to rewrite for us a bit. Before you communicate online, ask yourself, one, does the way you are acting The way you are responding and communicating invite or impede happiness and peace in your life. Number two, does the time you spend using various technologies and media enlarge or restrict your capacity to live, to love, and to serve in meaningful ways? I'm going to read those one more time. Before you communicate online, ask yourself, does the way you are acting, the way you are responding and communicating invite or impede happiness and peace in your life? Does the time you spend using various technologies and media enlarge or restrict your capacity to live, to love, and to serve in meaningful ways. There is no inherent meaning in symbols or in words or even in the actions of others until we attach our specific and personal meaning, our own. Be a better communicator and be sure that what you are doing brings peace and happiness to you and that it enlarges your life and the lives of those around you that you have the privilege of coming in contact with. I love you guys. Another episode is scheduled for very, very soon, so stay tuned. Again, I am Jessica Herbert, and I really hope that what you have heard here today helps to guide you on this crazy, insane, messy, quarantined, wonderful, and divine life of mental roads. <laughs>